if it isn't another week, and it is another week for the Batman. Yes, eight, eight Bridgman movies are reviewed today, starting in the nice couple year of 2010 and moving, I don't know, forward in time. I can't remember what movies are, are in this one, but they're, um, we talk about them. Are they good? I don't fucking remember. But here's some Batman movies for your enjoyment. And, um, I hope, I hope you enjoy it. I've been really lax about many things. Um, but in case anybody's curious, I just finished reading Howl's Moving Castle. Um, so that audiobook is done and we'll continue to upload. And, uh, we're gonna do, where is it? Ugh. We're going back to His Dark Materials After Howl's with, uh, The Subtle Knife. Uh, the only sequel of any franchise that I can think of in which the second book is shorter than the first one. I've never seen that. And in, in Living Memory, I've never seen that. It's only 326 pages. Fucking chump change compared to some of the things I've read. So we'll crank through that and then, I don't know, probably finish and go straight into the third one, but I don't want to make predictions. I'm just telling you what's happening next after Howl's. It's the subtle life. Um, and, uh, and yeah. Here's some, here's, if you like the audiobooks and the podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash goingupcast where you can become a $5 patron to get access to a bunch of things like my movie review, not review, um, movie commentary tracks, uh, primarily for Harry Potter, but there's a couple others in there like the Santa Claus and Aragon. Um, and you can watch me play video games, um, episodes of which have been recorded. I just haven't uploaded them because again, I've been lax. Um, but I will soon, I promise. And I hope you enjoy this episode. And have a great week, because it's summer. Days are heating up. Wear them shorts. Splash around. Get vaccinated. Let's get into the, these reviews. Batman Under the Red Hood from 2010 is pretty good. Um, it is the Jason Todd gets fucked up by the Joker story. And I know what you're all thinking. Didn't we already have that fucking story? Yeah, but that was that was fucking Tim Drake got fucked up by by the Joker story. Totally different. I know what you're I, I can see the similarities, right? I'm right there with you, but I'm telling you, it's totally different. Like I don't I don't understand um why you think they would be even remotely similar. Like, one's about a Robin that gets fucked up by the Joker and then, uh, you know, kind of becomes evil. And then the other one is about a Robin that gets fucked up by the Joker and then kind of becomes evil. Yep. Anyway, Batman Under the Red Hood. Incredible cast. Uh, we got Bruce Greenwood, I believe, making his debut as being Batman. Um, he is also the person who provides the voice for Batman in Young Justice. Um, and animation-wise, they are they they are very similar. This in Young Justice, um, and I fucking love Young Justice. Uh, Jensen Ackles, uh, one of the guys from Supernatural, fucking kills it as uh, Jason Todd Red Hood. I I loved his performance there. John DiMaggio is the Joker. I thought did pretty well. Jason Isaacs as Rachel Ghoul was pretty fun. Neil Patrick Harris was good as Nightwing, and that's basically all the names I. I mean, there's other people I recognize um, as being in this movie, but those are the big ones. Um, also, any animated movie that actually has like the voice cast as as part of the opening credits, I love because I feel like too more more often than not, um, voice actors don't fucking get enough recognition you know like in a movie it's fairly common for it to be like you know tom cruise and whatever the fuck but it's almost never that you see like tara strong or something like that you fucking should because they're they're killing it when it comes to acting um but yeah uh at least to me the story is fairly familiar but in case you're not aware Rachel Ghoul is trying to destabilize the european economy and calls in the joker to distract batman and up. Uh, and Joker ends up kidnapping Jason and beats the living shit out of him with a crowbar and then blows him up in a warehouse. And Rachel Ghoul's like, ah, fuck, that wasn't the plan. Shit, now I feel super bad. 
And so he takes Jason off to the Lazarus pit and just kind of hooks him in there and goes like, well, I'll give him back to Batman. It's like, I'm a sorry gift. You know, Batman will love it. Batman will love the resuscitated, like, fucking child of his just back in his paws. And then Jason kind of loses it. Because, of course, he does. He, he was brought back from the dead in the Lazarus pit. And then five years later, uh, Red Hood shows up to kind of take control of Gotham's underworld and Batman fights him and oh, through a couple of interactions and stuff like that Batman realizes that Jason's come back from the dead and then confronts Jason and Jason orchestrates Joker getting released out of prison and confronts Batman in a I understand why everybody's still alive but why the fuck is he still alive and Batman's like if I kill him I'll never stop killing and that's fair I mean Batman would be like the greatest fucking murderer in, in Gotham history if he decided to snap feel like all the villains i'm sure there's a storyline out there called like big bad batman or something like that where batman does just straight up murder everybody um i don't know what that's called but pretty goddamn certain uh that that's out there somewhere um at least i'd be willing to bet it's out there somewhere uh and they have a confrontation and we are led to believe that jason dies at the end of this movie at the very least his body is not found um the movie is pretty dark at times uh it's pretty sad overall but it tells this story very well um i feel like if i wasn't familiar with the story then it might have been like um more impactful uh to me but it's it's kind of like I don't know. It's almost like a go-to Batman story. Kind of like when um, Gwen Stacy gets killed in Spider-Man. Like, that's the one thing everybody knows about Gwen Stacy. The one thing everybody knows about Jason Todd is that Jason Todd got a raw fucking deal and got fucked up real bad. So, it's it's just kind of... It's just that story. So, I liked it. I liked the movie. I thought it was animated really well. There's a fight scene where Batman is absolutely going to town on Jason in a bathroom. And I'm sitting there being like, God damn... Because Jason's trying, right? He's he's doing his best, but like one-on-one, the close combat fighting with Batman, Batman didn't hold back and beat the living shit out of Jason. Like, to an unreal degree. Um, and then Batman has the stones to be like, I'm trying to save you, Jason. And I'm like, motherfucker, he has so many broken ribs. You have... Oh my god. Batman is... Batman in this movie is pretty brutal. Um... Poor Jason. Jason Jason gets a raw deal. Anyway, you slice it. And apparently there's a sequel that we'll watch a little later on that was produced ten years later called Death in the Family. Um, and we'll and we'll get to that uh, in chronological order. This one gets an eight out of ten. It's very good. Um, I guess the only things I didn't really like about it, like I love John DiMaggio's performance as the Joker, but there are definitely a couple of the lines where I'm like Really? Like there's a bit where Jason's like Say one more word, and I'm going to blow your brains out. And then the Joker proceeds to say a lot of words, and it just goes unpunished. I'm like, don't make empty threats, Jason. Like, just listen. If you're going to fucking say... If you're going to do something like that where it's like, don't do this, or else I'm going to blah, 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 blah. And then you don't do the blah, 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 blah. Well, then you're just fucking wasting everybody's goddamn time. Either shit or get off the pot, Jason. Did he ruin your life? What, what, what even, what even, what even, what even, what even, what even? Anyway, 8 out of 10. Uh, that seems fair. 2011's Batman Year One. It's, you know, I, I know there, I mean, I was about to be like, I know there aren't that many Batman stories, but there are. There are that many Batman stories. So it seems like... The fact that there was some repetition going on, I'm already just like, really? We're like, I mean, I've got another 10 years of Batman movies to watch. And I'm already sitting here being like, this is just Batman Begins. In a much shorter time frame. Because this movie's barely an hour. Like, barely an hour. I think it's a little under, if I'm perfectly honest with you. It's a short fucking air quotes movie um what is nice about this one is that it spends a little more time on gordon than it does batman so it's more of gordon's story and gordon is played beautifully by crying branston everybody's favorite everybody loves crying branston and he does a really good job as gordon i would love to see him do gordon live action not that 
we've had bad live action uh, Jim Gordon's, but Cranston's voice is just so fucking good and perfect for the role. Um, and ironically, the guy that does Batman in this movie is Ben McKenzie, who plays Gordon in the TV show Gotham, which was okay. The show. His performance as Batman was fine. Also, Catwoman's there, but barely. It's really mostly Gordon's story. Um, and as stated, it's the first year Batman is Batman, and it's the first year Gordon's in Gotham. However, uh, Batman doesn't become Batman until, like, April, so it's kind of a misnomer. Um, like, because he's not Batman in the beginning part of the year, but then he becomes Batman, like, later on. So, um, it's fine. I mean... Five out of ten. It's nothing about this is fun or special. It is a perfectly fine movie. That's it. That's it's 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 just kind of rides that line. Nothing about this. Like it's okay. That's that's it. I mean, <laughs> I just I don't know. I was underwhelmed. By year one. Had I not seen Batman Begins, and if I wasn't familiar with Batman movies, perhaps it would have been a bit more interesting. But I am, and it isn't. So, there you go. Five out of ten for Batman Year One. It's the, like, there's a lot of Batman movies you definitely don't need to see. This is one of them. Just fucking skip it. Batman Begins is tells his origin story pretty fucking well. Unless you're a super big Jim Gordon fan. Maybe you could watch this, but even then, I mean, I, it's fine. What do you want? Really, honestly. I mean, come on. 2012's The Dark Knight Rises, or as I like to call it, the last pure live-action Batman movie until next year's Batman movie with, what's his face? You know the one. Um, fuck. Uh, Robert Pattinson. That's it. There was going to be a Ben Affleck Batman movie, and then it evolved into the Robert Pattinson one because of reasons. Um, and I'm only watching pure Batman movies. So there you go. Anyway, Dark Knight Rises. Probably my favorite of the three uh, Nolan movies, simply because I love Bane. I love this version of Bane. Um, there are a couple of, like, like sequences where Hardy's throwing punches around like they're nothing. And he's just punching through, like, the, the marble pillar. Um, which, of course, is... There's there's two instances where it's kind of laughable. Where Bruce kicks, like, a brick column down with his bare foot. And when Bane is punching through marble. Like, I know they're strong. But come on. But... Come on. Anyway, uh, let's talk about the plot of this movie. Bane shows up. And uh, fucking Littlefinger from Game of Thrones is like, if I take that mask off, will it kill you? It would be extremely painful. Um, Bane's voice. As much crap as I give Batman, I think Bane's voice is amazing. And it's just like this this awesome, like, Ah, you think darkness is your friend. I was born in it. Raised in it. Molded by it. I didn't see the light of day until I was already a man. By then, it was merely blinding. You know, shit's fucking great. Love that crap. Bane shows up, and he starts doing some doing some hijinks, doing some mischief, doing some stock trades. Bruce is getting getting butt fucked. Bruce has been out of commission for eight years, according to the plot of this movie, and uh, he's, he hasn't been Batman for a while. And he's basically just been moping around for eight years. You know, being like Rachel was going away from me. What if, before she died, she wrote you a letter, and to spare you pain, I burnt that letter. How dare you use Rachel to try and stop me? I'm using the truth, Master Wayne. Anyway, um, so he's been moping, and then Catwoman shows up, Anne Hathaway just fucking kills it in this movie. She's amazing. Um, and she steals his stuff, and they have a little sassy back and forth, and he slowly starts to come back to the world. Also, there's a cop named Blake, who's just kind of there. Uh, Gordon Joseph Levitt or whatever the fuck his name is. Um, he was fine. I don't understand the point of teasing a sequel when there was never an, any intention whatsoever of doing a sequel. Now, are they teasing a sequel or are they just saying like, you know, like the cycle goes on? Um, and that there's always going to be someone to defend Gotham. I don't really know. 
I don't really care. This is one of the few pieces of media where Bruce and Selena actually just end up together and get the happily ever after. Doesn't happen very often. More often than not, something comes up or blah, 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 blah. So I very much appreciate that. That this is like one of the few pieces. I know there's a comic series where they like, I think they get married, but... For me in this one, it's just like, I appreciated seeing it on the big screen, you know? So yeah. Bane comes back and is like, I'm here to fulfill Ra's al Ghul's destiny! And then he takes the city hostage and there's this whole martial law thing and he breaks Batman's back and... You made a terrible mistake. Not as serious as yours, I fear. And then it's a whole fight. Um, and Bruce learns that the fear of death is what makes him strong and comes back and kicks the shit out of Bane and then he doesn't and then he gets stabbed by Talia. That's probably the bit of this movie I have like the least love for. Like, it's not that I don't like Talia al Ghul. It's just that she... It, it doesn't really come out of nowhere but she is so ineffective when she is revealed. What is she... She stabs Batman right between the ribs. Gives this long, dumb speech about, It is the knife that waits the longest. That waits in the shadows for years. That sinks the deepest. Basically giving Gordon all the time he needs to stop the bomb. Um, and then she does my absolute favorite supervillain line ever. It's the best, where the villain's like, I'm going to activate this bomb now. Click. And then that does go off. And then they fucking look at the hero right in the eye and they go, No matter. I love that shit. When it's like, I've got this undefeatable plan. You'll never beat it. And then the bad guys, or the good guys beat it. Bad guy instantly goes, No matter. I've got more bullshit. And that's what Talia pulls. She, she pulls the no matter. You bought Gotham in 11 minutes or whatever. And then she just fucking dies. Like, not even well. She gets in a car crash and then goes, yeah. And it's just like, really? That's that's the best you could do. It's the best you got? All right, that's fine. It's whatever. You know, it's just it's whatever. And there's also, there's like, I like this movie. But the, the passage of time is pretty like weird like throughout the course of like 15 minutes of the movie like Lucius Fox goes that bomb will go off in 23 days and then the next time we hear anything about when the bomb goes off it's like shit's blowing up in 12 hours motherfuckers I'm just like what happened to 23 days you guys have known this was gonna be a thing for like almost a whole month and it took you until like the absolute last minute to do anything about it what were you waiting for? I don't understand. Like, I, I didn't get that. I don't get that. So, I mostly like this movie because of Bane. Bane is great. Um, But when you start really looking at this movie, like, like really looking at it, it's not the greatest of plans, you know? Seems like a lot of things just kind of fell into Bane's lap. Not really planned out, you know? Spends an awful lot of the first half of the movie, like, digging into Batman's armory. You know? And I, I, I get that. That's That makes sense. But then it's just, I don't know. There's, there's just moments. There's just things. I feel like the military probably could have done more. Honestly, like, the fact that Bane basically succeeds. You know? I mean, think about it. All he needed to do was kill Batman. And he didn't do it. None of your body, of your spirit. Yes, I will torture you in this pit. Where these people will care and heal you. Allowing you to escape and foil my plans. It's a good plan! There's a, there's a fucking video I love about this. Um, where he's, he's given the, Gotham is yours! Do as you please! Speech. Um, and they spoof it. It's from the, uh, fucking, uh, How It Should Have Ended, guys. And they're like, can we get rid of the bomb? No, you can't can't do that. I don't think this guy has our best interest in heart. <laughs> they just go on and on like that. Uh, so, yeah. As a Batman story goes, I think it's pretty good. It's got some Nightfall elements with Bane breaking Batman's back. 
It's got some Dark Knight Return elements, which we're going to talk about a fuckload more because the next two movies are The Dark Knight Returns Part 1 and Part 2. Um, so we're going to talk about that a lot. It's got a lot of those elements. It's Oh, and then uh, apparently there was a storyline from 1999 called No Man's Land, which uh, has, some, has some stuff going on in there too. But anyway, I, I enjoy the movie. It's a little beefy. It's like, it's it's almost three hours. Um, and there's, you know, it, to me, it kind of makes sense because there's a lot of time and events in this movie. But it never really feels like it's dragging its feet. There's always something kind of interesting going on. Um, yeah, it's, it's good. Um, I think in terms of rankings, it's probably the second, well, not probably. In my opinion, it's the second best Nolan movie he's he's made after Dark Knight. Um, which I think is a more, it's, it's a narrower focus for a storyline and it's more, I think it's more Batman because this one is, doesn't feel so much like Batman. Like, I don't know. Batman's always to me and especially in these films, the, the, the threat, right? is fairly low level. Um, like if Joker succeeded, then like a fairy exploded, you know? Um, or if. Uh, I guess Raz Al Ghul, if he succeeded, he would have um, destroyed the city as well. But this one, I don't know, a bomb, like an atomic bomb, and Batman's got to defeat that. Like, I don't know. It's not as seems not not above his pay grade, but it it just isn't as like intriguing to me as Joker's like attempt to turn humanity on themselves. Like Bane was just like, I'm just gonna blow you motherfuckers up. Just dick around for a couple months. I freed all the black gay prisoners. It was fun, you know. So, yeah. Is it a really good Batman story? It's okay. It's more of a Bruce Wayne story, I think. Um, not, not that that's a bad thing, but there you go. It's also interesting that the movie's called Dark Knight Rises when this movie ends with basically Batman being like, Nope, I'm good. I'm out. It's over. I'm going to bang Selena Kyle here on the banks of the Anna, and um, we're just going to live happily ever after. Oh, also, I'll, I'll just provide this note real quick. I have had Fernet Branca, uh, as Pennyworth fucking Michael Caine says, you know, I go out to this little cafe on the banks of the Anna, and I ordered me a Fernet Branca. And, um, it's, it's, in case you haven't had it, uh, so if you are over 21, just picture Jägermeister mixed with like Listerine. It's got a very strong minty herbal flavor. And if you're under 21, just picture like cough syrup with this syrupy consistency with a very strong mint herbal flavor. Um, it's, it's, it's thick. Um, it kind of coats your throat. It's not unpleasant, but it is akin to drinking toothpaste. So just there's that. Um, I don't want to judge Michael Caine's choice of drinks, um, but that does seem an odd choice. So, yeah, yeah. Do I have anything else to say about this movie? I want I want to get it all out now. Um, movie gets an eight out of ten from from me. Um, honestly, so far, if any Batman movie uh, comes close to being perfect, it probably was Dark Knight. Now, now I look back on it. Um, but I'll be... Like, Nolan's trilogy is fucking good. Um, it's... It is... The only... <laughs> is it the only trilogy in all of Batman media? I mean, it's the only trilogy where Batman remains the same, right? I don't know. It's... It's fucking great. And, um... It is... It is the last live-action Batman movie that we're gonna see on this list. And we're just going to plow through a bunch of animated shit after this. But yeah, 8 out of 10 for Batman Dark Knight Rises. Fucking great shit. It completely changed how Bane is received in the cultural zeitgeist. I mean, it did. If you if you look at um, Harley Quinn, right? The animated Harley Quinn show. Bane, while looks like original like comic book Bane, fucking comes in and he's like, well, Hello there. My name is Bane. Like, Tom Hardy's voice for Bane is now like the voice for Bane, which is, or at least is, is an interpretation of the voice of Bane. 
Um, I think my favorite interpretation of Bane is probably the Young Justice version of Bane, where he's voiced by Danny Trejo, um, because originally Bane was a fucking luchador, um, and I always loved that. Um, and I appreciated the fact that they didn't bring in the Venom. Bane was just fucking jacked as all hell and strong as all fuck based on, like, his power of belief, um, essentially, is what, is what gave him, gave him might. So, yes. And out of time for Batman Dark Knight Rides. No weird one to review because it's only the first part of it, but I'm going to do it anyway because I just finished it. So, 2012's, uh, a couple of months after Dark Knight Rises came out, uh, Batman The Dark Knight Returns. A Frank Miller, probably THE Frank Miller comic. I mean, let's, let's not bandy about with words. Uh, Frank Miller's, uh, interpretation of Batman is... Pretty fucking uh, pervasive, I would say. Even going so far as to inspire the look of the Ben Affleck Batman, as well as Ben Affleck's relative brutality that he uh, in brought to to the Batman role. But of course, this is the 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 first um, story that really kind of covers this stuff. But we're talking uh, long after. Well, not long after, but long. Yeah, you know, fuck it. Long after the death of Jason Todd, um, at the hands of the Joker, Bruce Wayne was like, fuck this shit, I'm out. And then we fast forward to the 80s, kind of like Batman Beyond, a little bit like Batman Beyond. There's a lot of similarities between this and Batman Beyond. Um, where Batman's, I think he's like only in his, like his 50s or something like that. Yeah, he's like 55. 55 year old Bruce Wayne. You know, the city's under attack by this band of, this new gang called the Mutants. Not like X-Men, though. Totally different. They have weird glasses and spikes out of their heads. Eh, fine. Anyway, Gordon's there, and Gordon knows that Bruce is Batman, and he's like, you gonna do something about this? Batman's like, I don't do that anymore, I'm retired. Also, Joker's in, in Arkham, and he's been catatonic for a while, but that's not important. Um, eventually, uh... Dent undergoes surgery. Harvey Dent goes under surgery to repair his face. Um, he uh, kind of disappears after the surgery happens, and then he threatens to blow up some towers. Batman shows up and uh, thwarts his plans, and he takes the bandages off and sees that Dent's surgery was a success and that the disfigured half of his face now matches his the other side of his face. Uh, but... From Dent's perspective, it, he sees it as the opposite. He sees it that his face is now doubly fucked rather than fixed. Um, and that is just sad as all hell. And that happens a bit in this story where you see pretty, pretty sad shit. Um, Dent was a bummer. Uh, and then we get introduced to Carrie Kelly. Uh, who is played by Ariel Winters, um, from Modern Family, I think? She's in other things, but that was, like, her, her big debut thing. And Carrie Kelly is a Frank Miller invention. Uh, I did not know that. I always knew that Carrie was a Robin. I didn't know that she came from this story, though. Um, but that makes sense. And she's, her parents fucking suck. Um, she, the, her parents just don't care. But they're not a big part of sneezing. <laughs> they're not a big part of the movie but they are um slightly explained a bit more in the comic books um and you know that's the thing but she buys a robin costume and goes out and starts you know fighting crime with uh with the batman um well not really with batman but she goes out and fights crime and eventually tracks down batman as he rolls up in his goddamn fucking panzer tank to take out the mutant uh gang um, even though they say he fights with rubber bullets, those are some powerful rubber bullets. And then the big leader of the mutants, uh, who doesn't get a name except for mutant leader, uh, talks shit at Batman. He's like, fight me like a man, bitch. And Batman's like, I'll fight you like a man. And Penny and Alfred, who's somehow still alive, is like, then why, son? And Batman's like, I gotta know how dope I am. And then he gets his ass whooped, but Robin's there to save him. Uh, yada, yada, yada. Batman uses his brains for once and then fights the leader again, but this time in mud, and then proceeds to pretty brutally 
take out the the leader of the mutants. I know I say Batman's brutal um a lot in these movies because he is. Um there there I mean it happens in more Batman movies than not where I'm sitting there going like god damn Batman. Jesus. Um but yeah, he doesn't kill, but he'll break every bone in your body and depending on how that goes, that's arguably worse. I mean, you know, sure, he doesn't kill you. That's great. His moral code still allows him to beat the living shit out of you. And there's a point where the leader of the mutants is down. But Batman systematically take took his limbs and snap. And then he grabs the next one and he goes, snap. And everybody's like, ooh. And fortunately, he stops it too. But I'm still like, he broke his arm and his leg like it was nothing. And then, um, as everybody's talking about Batman, Joker wakes up and Arkham Asylum is like, Batman, darling. And uh, the Joker in this movie is played by Michael Emerson from fucking Lost, uh, which is new to me. Um, and that's about it. That's that's kind of how part one goes. Um, I liked it a lot. I liked Carrie Kelly. Uh, she is... I think this may be the most time I've spent with a Robin character where they didn't go crazy or become the villain in these things so far. Um, but yeah, I thought the animation was really good. I loved the physique of 55-year-old Bruce Wayne. Like, Frank Miller's style basically makes Bruce like a fucking... He's so wide. He's so fucking, like, stacked. It's insane how, like... Just built this version of Batman is, or the fact that he used like uh, fucking scarecrow toxin on the fucking bad guys at one point, and he's this horrific bat creature, and I'm just like, that's a, that's a, that's awful that he would use fear toxin like that. It makes sense, but I'm also like, sweet ass blast in Christ, Batman. It, he really only has the I don't kill. Everything else is fair game. No guns, no killing. Well, no guns, although he fired with a ten. No killing. That's the only. That's the only rule. Everything else is fair game. Um, and the other thing I really enjoyed about this is that Batman in, in this story had some funny quips. His lines made sense. He actually feels like a person and a character in this. Um, he does other things, but I don't know for this one it really kind of stuck out at me. Like his interaction with like the bad guys, where, um, where he's looking at the bomb and he's like, "How do I stop it?" And he's talking to the bad guy, and the bad guy's like, can, can you make it stop? And Batman just kind of shrugs and goes, you better hope so. And we says something like that. Let's give it a shot. I just love it. It was just, it was fine. No, I thought this was really good, and I can't wait to see the next part. Um, really, really strong. 7 out of 10. Batman, the, what is it? <laughs> Dark Knight Returns. Uh, part two, which came out a year later, so we're in 2013 now, uh, was pretty good. Um, it did break my rule, though. I mean, it's, it is a Batman movie, but fucking Superman shows up, so, uh, I'm not going back and watching other stuff. It's just, I hope this is just, like, the one, the one thing they slide in there. Um, but, uh, Joker goes on live TV and kills, like, fucking everybody um including Conan O'Brien and apparently Superman is a government agent working under the Reagan administration in the height of the Cold War and wouldn't you know it turns out that Superman um kind of kind of can't be killed by most things um and the the idea of having Superman fight the Soviets is a geopolitical nightmare because it's like can the Soviets beat Superman? No. Just because he's Superman. So who's the bad guy? You know, it's, it's not great. Don't didn't like that. A lot of war atrocities uh, uh, done by a Superman where he is killing hundreds with minimal effort. Um, and Joker goes on a bit of a rampage uh, and actually ends up pushing Bruce to the limit, and Bruce breaks most of his neck to paralyze him. Not his whole neck, but most of it. At which point, Joker finishes the job himself by just twisting his neck. I believe that is technically possible. Um, so, 
you know, there's that. Um, uh, Robin kills a dude, but that never comes up again, so that's the thing. Um, Christ, what else happens? Uh, the Soviets fire a nuclear missile, um, causing uh, Superman to fly up and have it explode in space, which launches an EMP and knocks out all of the power, um, and then launches uh, the, the U.S. into nuclear winter. Um, and every city falls under martial law and, like, riots and shit like that. Except for Gotham. Because Batman rallies, like, the fucking sons of the Batman gang. And they, like, install order, like, that night. Um, and even the cops are like, he's too big to stop. And so Reagan's like, we can't have this. I need Superman to go in there and take care of the Batman. And Superman flies up. And Batman's all decked out in his fucking giant electro... Not electro... Um, his fucking exoskeleton suit, um, at which point he and Superman go at it, and they, they fight the, the fucking fight, and Oliver Queen shows up and shoots Superman with a synthetic carbonite, um, kryptonite arrow, and Batman beats the living shit out of him, and then goes on the speech like, I want you to know who fucking beat you, I want you to always remember, uh, and then Batman dies a heart attack, and then it's his funeral, but then it turns out Batman's not dead, he just faked his death. So that he could continue fighting the good fight from the shadows while he trained the Sons of the Batman gang and um, New Robin and Oliver Queen how to, how to fight like the Batman. And that's how it ends. Um, this story, like part one and part two, is... Do you remember a while ago when I was like, if Batman ever fucking decided to kill everybody, he'd be unstoppable? This is that story. Batman in this fucking story is unstoppable. That's the whole point of it. It's just like how big he can get and all the pull he had and all of his tricks and his know-how and everything was perfectly planned out and nothing could stop him to the point where the government had to send in the most powerful being on the planet and that being lost. If it wasn't for the fact that Batman took himself out, Superman would have died. Um... It's it's kind of mind boggling how how fucking strong Batman was, and uh, I appreciated it. So gets a I th I think this one gets an eight out of ten. It was really good. Um, this one is like Batman v Superman tried to do what this movie did, um, and failed to do. So if you want if you ever wondered what a Batman versus Superman fight would actually look like, um, when done well. I think, I think this movie does it, so there you go, and uh, yeah, let's move on to the next one. <music> 2014's The Son of Batman. This brings us to the fifth Robin in these movies that we have experienced. Let's run down the list. You got Dick Grayson, you got Jason Todd, you got Tim Drake, you got Carrie Kelly, and Damian Wayne, the the only Robin that I'm aware of off the top of my head, that's blood relative to the big bossman. And of course, it makes it just ripe, ripe for the picking of uh, having a movie essentially dedicated to Damian and his big old pappy. Um, and the movie itself is fine. I mean... It, it didn't blow my mind, and it probably won't blow yours. Um, it brings in Talia. Um, Deathstroke is trying to take over the League of Assassins. He kills Ra's al Ghul before then. He, and then Deathstroke kidnaps uh, Dr. Kirk Langstrom, who makes all of his man-bats. So that's kind of fun. We got uh, the man-bats in the, the movies uh, in this one. Nightwing shows up for a bit. That's basically it. It's primarily Damien. Um, and I don't mind Damien, um, at least not in this film. I always thought he was kind of a shit, like, but I didn't really know much about him. His portrayal in this, um, he's incredibly competent as far as kids go, uh, in terms of, like, being trained by the League of Assassins. He can definitely hold his own against, like, most people in here. In fact, the only person to beat him in a fight, uh, in this film is Nightwing. Everybody else loses against Damien. Which I think is pretty cool. Um, Batman doesn't say a whole heck of a lot in this film. And he is voiced by Jason O'Mara. Who I best know from being in uh, Terra Nova. He's the, he's the future cop 
from that show. I fucking loved Terra Nova, mostly because it was just a joy to rip that show to pieces. Um, and it only lasted one season. I'll always regret that. That show had a lot of really dumb things going on, uh, including the characters and the setting and the plot. But boy, I loved it to make fun of. It was just a blast for that. Uh, if you've never seen it, I'd recommend it. It's just a good giggle fun. Um, yeah, this movie's fine. I mean, 6, six out of 10, because I enjoyed Damien. Um, I liked the relationship he had with Bruce. And I would love to see that continue, um, honestly. Like, uh, what was I going to say? Um, God damn it. Uh, they, yeah, they had a really nice relationship, and he was like... Just like Carrie Kelly, it's nice to see a Robin not get, like, fucking destroyed emotionally by the Joker. Um, and Damien was so confident. Like, compared to some of the other ones, like, Dick was a gymnast. Uh, Jason was, like, a fucking thief. I think, like, I think he just, I think he stole from Batman and that's how Batman found out about him. I don't know what Tim's story was. And then Carrie was also a gymnast. But Damien's, like, just full-blown trained by the League of Assassins, like, right out the gate. Um, so he was, he's just this little ass kicker, and I love it. Um, looking at the Wikipedia page, it looks like there were three sequels, uh, related to this movie that were released, and I will eventually watch all of them as part of this, so maybe we'll get more of Damien later on. But, uh, yeah, I enjoyed that movie. It was fun. It was fun. Calling Batman Assault on Arkham, which came out in 2014, a Batman movie, would be like referring to a a chicken salad sandwich as a mayonnaise taco. Mayonnaise is in there, but it is not the point of the fucking sandwich. This is a Suicide Squad movie is what this was. And it's okay. For some baffling reason, it actually ties into, or at least shares the universe with... The Arkham games, which, outside of the way some of the characters look, and the title screen showing, like, you know, like, the Batman Arkham Asylum logo, that's it. That's, like, that's the, those are the only connections to the the game in this that I saw. It's just a Suicide Squad movie. It starts with Waller assembling the Suicide Squad, which in this movie consists of the following nobodies. Black Spider! I don't know who the fuck that is. Everybody's favorite Australian dipshit Captain... Oh, God, am I going to vomit? Oh, hold on, let me drink something. Oh, I just had a huge, like, acid reflux. Anyway. Everyone's favorite Australian dipshit Captain Boomerang. Deadshot, uh, who's, like, the leader in this movie. Harley Quinn, who's one of my absolute favorite DC characters of all time. A new person I've never encountered before named KG Beast... Which is an objectively terrible name for anybody. A, uh, we got Killer Frost, who's fucking dope. Uh, and a, a very strange rendition of King Shark, where he's basically Jaws from James Bond. Um, and for some reason, bulletproof. Anyway, uh, Waller wants them to break into Arkham Asylum and get the Riddler's cane because it has intel on it or some other nonsense. Uh, and so the, the group goes to the Penguin's house. And, um, Penguin's like, Yo, buy you a bunch of fucking dipshits, ain't ya? You can sleep here tonight, I guess. I've got some beds. And everybody crashes upstairs. And then Harley and Deadshot fuck. Um, this movie's got a bit more of sexual content than any of the other ones, any other Batman movie that I've seen thus far. Um, it has a canonical sex scene. And then there are at least two instances where female characters are topless. That's not important. I just want to point it out. It's the first first one to actually do anything, anything of, of that ilk. Um, and I believe, I don't, I don't even know what this movie is rated. I'm guessing PG-13. If I had to be, if I had to be honest. Um, in fact, there's a thing down here uh, where somebody from Forbes uh, rated it and they called it, let's see, gleefully immoral heist film, which having no real plot arc to speak of, Relies on its violent action and clever character dynamics within the Suicide Squad to carry it. Um, due to its villainous protagonists, dark comedy, and sexual content, uh, this particular reviewer considers the production of Assault on Arkham an experimental decision by DC and a successful expand as it tells a style of comic book story that would never get approval as a live-action product. Um, 
Of course, back in 2014, I suppose that was the case. Uh, Suicide Squad has since gotten a live-action movie um, and is indeed getting a second one. So, there's Suicide Squad from 2016, which came out two years after this thing. And then The Suicide Squad, which is coming out, I believe, later this year. So, there you go. Um, but yeah, there's that. And then they go into Arkham. Uh, Harley gets arrested and thrown in. And then it turns out that the Joker has what is called a dirty bomb, which is a, according to Wikipedia, because that's my source for everything, because I was like, what the fuck is a dirty bomb? A dirty bomb or a radiological dispersal device is a speculative radiological weapon that combines radioactive material with conventional explosives. The purpose of the weapon is to contaminate the area around the dispersal agent con slash conventional explosion with radioactive material, serving primarily, primarily as an area denial device against civilians. It is, however, not to be confused with a nuclear explosion, such as a fission bomb, which is by uh, which by releasing nuclear energy produces blast effects far in excess of what is achieved by the use of conventional explosions. So that's a dirty bomb. It's basically just a normal bomb covered in, like, toxic waste or something like that designed to just radiate people. So, it's pretty fucked. Um, and then there's hijinks in Arkham. Uh, they eventually get to Riddler, and Riddler's like, Do you even know why Waller wants to be dead? Because I deactivated the fucking bomb. And then they get their bombs deactivated, uh, except for King Shark who gets his head blown off. Um, this movie is not afraid of killing people, both, or KG Beast, King Shark, and Killer Frost don't make it out of this alive. Or at least we don't... I'm pretty confident Frost dies. She gets, like, thrown by a... She gets thrown by Bane while in a car, and that car rolls for a while. Um, and Batman's kind of there, just dealing with the Suicide Squad and trying to get rid of the bomb. And then at the end, he uh, goes to threaten Waller, and he's like... You've been warned. You're not pulling this shit again. And Waller's like, fuck you. We're the government. What are you going to do about it? Um, and then it's... The movie ends with a dead shot having Waller in his sights. And she's going like, mother... And then we don't know if uh, Waller dies by the end of this movie. Um, but yeah, that's basically it. It's a decent Suicide Squad adventure. I enjoyed it. The characters are fairly likable, except for Captain Boomerang, who's just an asshole, but he's supposed to be. Uh, Acting-wise, is pretty... This is an eclectic bunch, and a uh, and a pretty solid cast. Let's run down. We got Kevin Conroy, of course, everybody's favorite Batman. Neil McDonoghue, uh, who has been in quite a few things. He's Deadshot, uh, and does a pretty good job. Hayden Walsh was Harley Quinn, and she's probably best known for playing Starfire in the original and uh, Teen Titans Go shows. Um, Troy Baker is the Joker. He played the Joker in Arkham Origins. Um, and his rendition of the Joker is just Mark Hamill. I mean, he's just doing a really good Mark Hamill impersonation. Um, so he doesn't, he doesn't really bring a whole lot new to the Joker role. Um, but that's fine, you know. When you can't get Mark Hamill, you cast Troy Baker and you basically get Mark Hamill. Um, CCH Pounder played Amanda Waller and she's absolutely wonderful. Juan Carlo Esposito, who played Ra's al Ghul in Son of Batman, plays Black Spider in this movie. John DiMaggio was King Shark. Jennifer Hale, like one of the most prolific voice actors of all time, uh, played Killer Frost. Nolan North, the other most prolific voice actor of all time, played KG Beast and fucking Penguin, because he played Penguin in the, uh, uh, in the video games. And of course, because I can't help myself, Travis Willingham from Critical Role, played morgue guy fuck yeah good good on you travis get in that batman movie despite all those things movie gets uh, uh i'd give it a six slightly above average won't blow your mind very few movie very few of these movies will but it could have been worse it could have it could have been way worse like so much more worse you just don't even know could have been could have been so much worse. Let's move on to the next one. I was talking about wanting to see a sequel to Son of Batman, and wouldn't you know it? There's the sequel to Son of Batman. It's called Batman vs. Robin. Looks like there's some contention going on in the Wayne household. Well, this movie uh, came out in 2015, and primarily focuses on the Court of Owls, which was a New 52 invention to the Batman lore, 
um, basically implying a secret society of rich assholes who secretly controlled the uh, the doings of Gotham behind the scenes. It's the Illuminati, but with birds. Isn't that fun? And they kind of retcon that the owls are responsible for the deaths of Thomas and Martha Wayne. Um, I don't particularly care for this lore. Um, I think part of Batman's appeal was this kind of universality of his origin. Um, much like how Spider-Man could be anyone, you know, cause he was just like by random chance was bitten by a spider. Batman's parents' death was the result of a random act of crime. You know, it was, it was a simple tragedy, right? There was something, there was something about it that just, you know, his parents are dead. They were killed by a mugger, not a secret society that was manipulating things behind the scenes. Not the, you know, not nothing bigger than that. A simple mugger took out his folks and from, you know, cause that could happen to anyone. You know, let's ignore the fact that he eventually becomes Batman because he's rich and trained with ninjas and shit. But the beginning could have happened to anybody. But now it's like, oh, well, his father was a member of the Court of Owls. And for some reason that they don't ever explain, the Court of Owls decided to kill Thomas and Martha Wayne. They, they never tell you why in this movie. It's just that they do. Um... And so that's a thing. And the story starts with Damien trying to save some children from the doll maker who is, is always one of like the more twisted villains in my opinion. Cause at least in this one, he's kidnapping children to mutate them into cybernetic doll like beings. Um, there's, there's a lot of versions of the doll maker and all of them are pretty fucked up in their own way. Like, the Dollmaker upsets me more than than most Batman villains. Like, Penguin's just a gangster that likes to eat fish. I mean, there's nothing really too strange about that. But the Dollmaker's always just been a little more twisted. Um, and I never really liked that. However, the Dollmaker in this movie is performed by fucking Weird Al Yankovic. So isn't that fun? A little, little, little cameo there. It's, it's nice. I like it. Um, but anyway, Dollmaker gets off by this dipshit in an owl costume. I think somebody watched a little too much Watchmen when it was like, I want to put owls in the Batman. Um, and his name is Talon because he's just a fucking jagoff. And he kills the guy and Robin gets blamed for it. And then Batman's like, I'm not letting you be, go out and do things anymore. And Damien's like, well, fuck you. You're not my real dad. And Batman's like, I am, I am your dad. And Damien's like, well, just by blood, you know, you had to like, be there to be a dad and all this shit and then eventually Bruce gets attacked by a bunch of goopy goopy owl monsters um and he takes him out and then he goes to the court of owls headquarters where he where he meets this it's a guy called the grandmaster of the court of owls and the fact that there wasn't a single owl pun throughout that whole thing this felt like a missed opportunity really they offer Bruce a chance to join sorry Batman doesn't get kidnapped Bruce got kidnapped um, they offer a chance for Bruce to join the Court of Owls, and Bruce said nay. Um, and they're like, well, fine, but off, off you go. Um, and then Damien meets up with the dipshit in the owl costume, and dipshit in the owl costume's like, I'm gonna do what Batman's not willing to do. I will kill crime and save the city. Join me, Damien. And Damien's like, yeah, all right. And then Damien and Bruce fight, and that's kind of fun. Uh, and then, uh, Damien runs off to join dipshit in the owl costume, and Batman goes to destroy the Court of Owls, then he gets drugged, um, and then he's wandering around in a maze for, like, maybe 20 seconds, and then he passes out again, and the next thing we see him is he was saved by Nightwing and Alfred. How? Don't worry about it. It's fine. Just skipping right past that. And then Talon presents Robin to the Court of Owls, and he's like, this is my protege! And the Grandmaster's like, you must give us the ultimate sign of thrust. Take off your mask. And then Damien does, because he's a fucking idiot. Um, and it's revealed that he is the, uh, the, he's Damian Wayne. He's the son of Bruce. And then the Grandmaster turns out to have been dating Bruce this whole time. So, oh my God. Um, Samantha or whatever, uh, makes the connections that Bruce Wayne is Batman. And then all of the goopy owl monsters and dipshit in the owl costume go and attack Wayne Manor. 
Um, but not under the orders of the Court of Owls, because when uh, Talon was tasked with killing Damian Wayne, he actually turns and slaughters the entire Court of Owls. Um, or at least most of them. I think it's assumed that he kills the entire court, but we don't see all of the bodies, just a lot of them. And then he goes and attacks Bruce Wayne in the manor with Nightwing there, and they start fending him off. And then um, Damien calls and goes like, they freeze real good, and Alfred turns on the AC. But there is also a sequence where Alfred's just straight up shooting him with a shotgun, and I love that. I thought that was great. Um, and then they defeat the Owls, and Talon... Uh, ends up killing himself um, to like take him out, uh, and that that leads me to one of the things I have with this. Anytime anybody figures out that Bruce Wayne is Batman and they're a bad guy, the story is going to find a way to kill them. They're too much of a liability, you know. My favorite was in the animated series when Hugo Strange figured it out, and nobody believes him. That was the best. Every, like, even the Joker was like, are you fucking kidding me? Bruce Wayne? Really? Come on. Come on now. Shut up, Hugo. Because in the animated show, Hugo's like just this shitty little fuck that nobody likes. And so he's like, Bruce Wayne is bad, man. And they're like, get the fuck out of here. No, he isn't. Idiot. Uh, <laughs> I loved that. I thought that was great. Um... But yeah, it's like, like he figured out his Batman, so he had to die. And die he does. He does super die. Um, and then at the end, Bruce is like, welcome home, Damien. And Damien's like, no, I don't know who I am. I need time to figure it out. So I'm just going to leave because I'm an 11-year-old boy and I can just do that in society. And Bruce lets him go. And then Damien, last we see Damien, sorry. Ugh, super early in the morning. Last we see of Damien, he's off in the Himalayas, about to go to a monastery to learn more about himself. The movie's fine. It's, you know, a continuation of Son of Batman. So we got Jason O'Mara as, as Batman and Stuart Allen as Damien Wayne, same as the first movie. Uh, Troy Baker is there as a lieutenant of the Court of Owls. Kevin Conroy plays Thomas Wayne, which I thought was fun. Gray DeLise, uh, one of my favorite voice actors, uh, played Samantha Vanaver or whatever. Um, Weird Al was there, as I mentioned, and Robin Atkin Downs plays the like the voice transmogrifier for the Grandmaster, um, and that is uh, that is Batman versus Robin. Pretty fun fight scenes, puts it slightly over the top, makes it a solid six out of ten. Um, it's it is a it, stop me if you've heard this before. It is a perfectly serviceable movie, nothing too inoffensive. But I do not particularly care for the Court of Owls. And I felt like their inclusion in the Batman lore and the serious amount of retcon that came about due to their inclusion was, um, a lot. It was a little over the top, if I'm being perfectly honest with you. I wasn't, I wasn't a real big fan of it. Um, but goodness me, look at that. This podcast has gone on for a minute and a half. Um, so I guess we'll save, uh, the next batch of movies for the next one. Uh, I have no idea how many episodes we're going to squeeze out of this. I know we have less than 10 movies left. So for all I know, that'll fit neatly into, into one podcast, or perhaps it'll take two. I guess we'll find out. But thank you all very much for listening to this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And I will see you all next week for more Batman. Have a good one, everyone.